Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. It was September 11th, 1972. The clip you just heard was from KPIX Eyewitness News reporting on the opening day of Operation for BART. It was a big deal. The decade of the 1970s is the decade of transportation alternatives. But the first large-scale breakthrough in moving great numbers of people rapidly and economically is the San Francisco Bay Area Rapid Transit System, commonly called BART. That was 50 years ago, and that vintage promotional video was right. It was indeed a large-scale breakthrough. The Bay Area was forever changed. In its half-century of existence, BART has faced many challenges. Remember those disgusting fabric seats? But the latest one has been the COVID-19 pandemic. Ridership is down hundreds of thousands of passengers, and federal aid funding is expected to run out in a matter of years. But on its 50th anniversary, we want to honor the ways that BART has changed the region, love it or not. Joining me to talk about all things BART is the Chronicle's urban design critic, John King, and cultural critic, Peter Hartlob, who is also the co-host of the Total SF podcast. We'll discuss the history of the system, how it's changed life and culture in our region, and some of the weirdest things that have happened in BART's history. Later, newsroom developer Emma Stiefel will chat about the game she's made that lets you design the future expansion of the BART system. I know you have an opinion on how BART can change. Here's your chance to do that. First, John King and Peter Hartlob, so great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So, John, I'd love to start with you. BART came online 50 years ago on Sunday, September 11th, 1972. You write in your recent piece that, quote, BART's most profound impact might be how it has shaped the ways that people live and work in the Bay Area. Can you explain that? What's an example? The example I use in my piece is the Walnut Creek BART station. But the basic point is we take it for granted in the Bay Area that this is how the region was destined to be with San Francisco still strong and centralized and then various suburban cities sprouting offices and housing and retail. And in real life – BART was conceived in an era when lots of big American cities were just kind of dissolving. Everyone was moving to the burbs. All the stores were following. All the jobs were following. What BART did is it recreated a spine. And then once that central structure was created, a lot of cities like Walnut Creek took on this whole new character because they were within a direct line A to line B to downtown San Francisco. And I am the excellent source for this because my parents bought a house in Walnut Creek when I was in first grade. We had moved from Texas. And at the time, there were about 12,000 people there. And I'm not going to go into Walnut Creek Arcana. 
but what you have now is a historic downtown with a massive open-air shopping center next to it that essentially feels like an extension of the downtown, and it's become the main retail center of the East Bay and beyond. People don't go into San Francisco. They go to Broadway Plaza and Walnut Creek. And then you've got condominiums that have been built downtown. You're close to shopping. You're close to dining. You're within a mile walk to BART. And people are buying condominiums there for $2 million. And then you have office towers by a suburban standards, 12 stories or so, around the BART station. This is very different than the Walnut Creek of 1963, trust me. Hmm. And we can literally see the history of BART through the archives. And Peter, that's where you spend a lot of time. And for your story on BART's 50th anniversary, you compiled a list of the nine strangest moments in the history of the transit system. Since we're talking about how BART has impacted the way we live and work, the way that some pretty high-profile athletes rode BART made your list. Tell me more. Yeah, BART has been, I mean, surprisingly filled with celebrities, considering I I think a lot of us think of it as a really crowded train that you want to get off of really quick during rush hour. Richard Nixon in 1972 got on BART, declared it, made comparisons to NASA, just was absolutely over the moon about what a great ride it was. Prince Charles rode on BART. Prince Charles. Prince Charles was on BART. You mean King Charles. King Charles, it's going to take me like 15 years to get used to that. But yes, King Charles on BART. Hmm. Only a couple stops. Richard Nixon was on it a little bit longer and did a tour of the control center. And then just about every big athlete you can think of. Steph Curry's been on BART. Steve Kerr, like, kind of uses it for transport. He's been seen multiple times. BART has a great photo of Kevin Durant just kind of hanging what we, the strap we hold on to and we're way beneath it. He's like kind of resting his head on it. And then Shohei Otani, that I think is probably the most famous one. It's recent because he missed a game. He missed a start at the Oakland A's because he actually got on the wrong line, but it got reported that Bart had some kind of slowdowns or something like that. And they were wrong. He just got on the wrong line. Like a lot of us, he's heading toward Pittsburgh Bay Point when his games at Oakland Coliseum. But yeah, it's just you look at the history of the transit system and there's just a lot of fun there too. I think a lot of us, our own memories are of the fun and it's not hard looking through the archive to find some fun involved with BART. BART is such a big equalizer for the Bay Area. And John, I just got back from spending a week in New York, and I'm always so impressed with the city subway system when I'm there. It's not perfect, but it pretty much gets you to where you need to go. But BART doesn't do that. I wish it did. How did original developers and planners in the 50s and 60s envision the reach of BART, and how much of that proposal didn't really pan out? BART was not seen as the equivalent of New York or Boston or Chicago letting you skitter all over the place. It was essentially funneling you to downtown San Francisco. So that's why you have the spines that you have, you know, reaching in the three directions. The fourth direction, the one that never got built, is that the idea of tying you into San Francisco included a very expansive vision of the Bay Area. So there were lines up to Santa Rosa, to Napa, to Fairfield. 
not just down to San Jose, but a spur to Los Gatos for whatever reason. And so there was always this idea that all BART lines lead to San Francisco. And that's really worked in the commuter way. It's worked in the reinforcing places like Walnut Creek sort of way. But it's, for better or worse, and often for worse, it's not what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Peter knows this. There was brief talk of a spur line on BART going out to 25th and Geary in the Richmond district. You know, that's a profoundly different idea of what a system could be. I mean, Peter, speaking of these initial proposals, what were some of your favorite ideas that you wished had happened or what were some of the craziest? 25th and Geary would have been a game changer for sure. 25th and Geary, um, we have been promised a subway at 25th and Geary (laughs) since the early 1900s. I found a Chronicle article from like 1908 where they're talking about digging a subway. Um, I mean, there are barely any cars. This is still a horse town back then, and they're talking about a subway. We deserve our subway on Geary. They were talking about BART going on the Golden Gate Bridge. There are concept drawings of the Golden Gate Bridge, which was built that below that deck um, where cars run right now, that you could get a train there. And and we could have had that, a train going. We could still have it, a mm-hmm. train going up to the north there. Um, BART had a lot of, of money problems, and pretty soon they're starting to do kind of some of their wackier ideas. There was talk about a bar car, like on Amtrak or the ferry, where you could go and walk to the final car and order your gin and tonic. That got shot down quickly. But they have a rail store that initially they were selling ashtrays and things they wouldn't sell now, but it's actually very, very popular now. Um, The BART Christmas sweater, when it comes out, you know, be ready because it'll sell out in 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. John, what about you? Were there things from the original proposals that you wish had happened? Yeah, I wish that the system had gone down to San Jose by way of the peninsula. Mm-hmm. You know, Santa Clara County, where San Jose is, pulled out almost as soon as the ink was dry on the first planning report. San Mateo County pulled out a few years later to everyone's surprise and really scuttled the whole notion of this more expansive vision. You know, we now have BART down to SFO. You know, that didn't open until the early 2000s. But, you know, I would love it if you could get onto BART and just keep going down kind of where Caltrain goes, but just quicker and cleaner and more efficient. And then the, the great loss line for me, which was not in the original plan, it popped up in like the 1980s or something like that, was a spur to Crockett. So the idea was the Richmond line, which trivia note, is the only end of the line in BART that has not been lengthened. It went to San Pablo and Hercules and Crockett. And given that Crockett has about 500 people living in it, it would have changed things. Centaur, two-door trains for Mary S.I. in two minutes. Centaur, three-door trains for Antioch in five minutes. 
More with critics John King and Peter Hartlob after a quick break. We'll talk about how arcade games became a ridership strategy for BART. And speaking of games, newsroom developer Emma Stiefel joins the chat to talk about the one she developed that allows you to build the BART system of your dreams. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. John, before the break, we talked about how BART transformed Bay Area neighborhoods. And in the early years of the system's development, there were a lot of residents who weren't fans of it. What were some of their complaints? Do they sound like some of the ones we have today? No, the complaints then were much different. It was too fancy a system. (laughs) It was too expensive It was catering to fancy commuters rather than blue-collar people. And then also the basic, it just went on way too long. I mean, every big American infrastructure project ends up opening years later than anybody expected it to. You know, so Mm -hmm. it's funny. After I had finished all the research and writing, uh, one of the editors here came across a report after BART had been open for like a year, dismissing it as a white elephant, saying buses should have been kept instead, and it was not spurring any development in the suburbs as was promised, which is a good reminder that instant analyses don't always pan out. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Now, Peter, we know at the moment BART is facing some serious pandemic recovery challenges, namely returning to its pre-COVID ridership. In your list of strange BART moments, you note that BART also had a ridership challenge in the mid-70s, and they tried to boost numbers with arcade games. BART is trying the same exact technique right now. Is it true? Could I play Pong at Powell Street Station? Uh, Yes and yes. Um, They did have arcade games in the 1970s. It was very much um, in the mid-70s, a few years after after the trains went online, they were not um, getting the kind of ridership they expected. They had big shortfalls, so they were trying anything. Mid-1970s, what did kids want to do? Play arcade games? Let's make a deal with Atari. And on the platform, we have photos. They had Pong and Le Mans and Space Race, all these early video games games, made about $1,800. I think it was more for the publicity than anything. There are games, they brought them back. I'm not going to take credit for it, but ever (laughs) since I wrote that story, I've been begging them to bring arcade games back. So they have games that are set on free play. That's really, I think, about just celebrating the 50th anniversary. But I do think there's some parallels. And Mm -hmm. what it is is that I think Bart now is looking – at nightlife. I think they're looking at weekends, not just as a commuter rail, but to convince people, hey, use this to get to the fun stuff you want to do. And coming out of the pandemic, I think people want to do fun stuff more than ever. Mm-hmm. So maybe they should keep those video games there yeah. and, and uh, get people coming at nights and weekends. Well, Bart back in the 1980s also hired the aged comedian Henny Youngman to do television ads. And the slogan, his whole thing was, take my wife, please. It became, take my Bart, please. 
So I'm thinking maybe they should hire Paul McCartney and he could sing, I want to ride your Bart. And that would pull in a whole new population. (laughs) So, I mean, I'd love to do a little foreshadowing with both of you. What do you think the next 50 years for Bart will look like? Or what do you both hope it will look like? More arcade games, comedians, what should it be? I, I hope, I mean, from a structural point of view, I want to see another tube going through the bay. I want that tube to extend, and I want to get our Geary subway finally. <laughs> I want to see it go across the Golden Gate Bridge and up into the North Bay. Maybe that's not going to happen in my lifetime. Um, I, I think we're also going to see a switch from, uh, you know, I, I don't think people are going to be going into the office as much. I think that's not going to totally reverse. Maybe we're going to see BART more as a you know, how to get you to where do you want to go to the game, get you to your entertainment uh, on the weekend, get you into San Francisco that way. I I think, you know, less of a a rush hour uh, transit system and more of a multi-purpose transit system where we're using it for a lot of different things. I am like Peter. I hope there's a second tunnel built. Uh, Realistically, Marin is not going to happen. I think that Strength of BART will be if it kind of doubles down on the core, you know, put that line out to the Richmond district. You know, if there's a second BART tunnel, it would be connecting people to Mission Bay and that wholly new part of San Francisco. I think also the real challenge is going to be making it feel credible again. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's – I don't want to get too serious in a fun conversation, but – the system really began to deteriorate before the pandemic, and the pandemic kind of highlighted some of its social problems. You know, there's going to be a fair bit of work to recover from those things. Well, love it or hate it, BART has been such an important facet of our Bay Area region. Thank you both for reflecting with me. I appreciate it. Oh, great fun. Thank you very much for having us on. Emma Stiefel is a newsroom developer at The Chronicle. She's created a new game called Build a Bart, which allows players to design the transit system of their dreams. Emma, we just discussed Bart's history and how it's changed the Bay Area. People have really strong opinions about how Bart should be, and your game lets them do just that. Tell me how it works. Yeah, so basically the game lets you add stations and add track as long as you stay within the budget that we give you to make the BART extension of your dreams. We did put a little bit of structure into it. You can choose from four different transit priorities. Uh, That's where people live, where people work, where people drive cars to work, and then where people work in entertainment. And so kind of like depending on the priority you choose – will give you a score based on how well your bar extension connects those people to the existing line. So is there winning or losing this game? Not really. It's mostly just having fun and building the BART stations that you wish existed in real life. But we will give you a score according to what you chose to focus on. So many of us aren't urban designers or planners. It seems like it could be challenging. What is this game really testing? I think if you decide that you don't want it to test anything and you just want to use it as a sandbox, you can absolutely do that. 
What it is kind of testing is how well you can handle the trade-offs of what to prioritize and how to balance a budget to um, build an extension that effectively meets a goal, whether that's connecting people to where they work, connecting people to culture hubs, or trying to like cut down on car usage. Mm. And what do you think players will learn from the game, or what do you hope that they'll take away from it? Yeah, I think what people will hopefully learn from the game is just a little bit of, you know, the very, very, very basics of what it takes to design a transit system like BART. Um, You'll get a little taste of some of the trade-offs that are involved. Ultimately, really what I hope they take away from it will just be getting to, like, play around, um, have their own map that they can, like, download, share around, be like, oh, I finally, you know, built the extension that goes from... Powell to Marin that I always wanted. Um, there's another Transbay tube in my map. Mm. So this sounds like a lot of fun. Emma, where can listeners find the game? Yeah, the game is live at sfchronicle.com slash build a Bart. Great. Well, thanks so much, Emma. Looks like our train's here. Oh, there's Peter and John. Folks, shall we get on? Yeah, Absolutely. let's go. Let's do it. Emma Stiefel is a newsroom developer at The Chronicle. Again, her Build-A-Bart game is at sfchronicle.com slash buildabart. John King is The Chronicle's urban design critic. Peter Hartlob is The Chronicle's cultural critic. You can find their stories and more coverage of Bart's 50th anniversary at sfchronicle.com and The Chronicle app. Peter also hosts the Total SF podcast with columnist Heather Knight It's Transit Month for Total SF. Check out their recent episodes about BART and the ferry. And coming up on September 28th, Total Transit 2022. They're going to try to ride as many of the Bay's 27 transit agencies as they can in one 24-hour period. Sounds exhausting. Find Total SF wherever you listen to Fifth and Mission. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode and to you for listening.